welcome to another episode of Solo Powered with me, Ariana Dunn. I hope you're having a wonderful start to the new year. Before we kick into the next episode, I just want to say, in case you haven't figured out already, I actually recorded a lot of these episodes uh, late last year, so the episodes are not happening in line with the actual time of the year that it is now. Um, I kept forgetting to say it to you the last time, but I'm sure you realise if you've been listening to the podcast, um, I've been talking about things in October or talking about things that may have already happened. This particular episode was recorded back in September of last year. Um, so, you know, please excuse any timeline inefficiencies within the podcast, but the content of each episode is still uh, super valuable. Uh, none none more so than this next episode with the fabulous Stephanie Daniels so I hope you enjoy it thanks so much hello and welcome to another episode of solo powered with me Ariana Dunn this is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo whether that be solo travel solo business solo journey to parenthood single by choice solo adventures or solo pursuits of passion Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. So our lives change and we enter into different stages of life. Um, And my next guest, the lovely Stephanie Daniels, is the founder of Life Begins at Menopause. Uh, Stephanie and I were workmates when I lived in London and Bower. Not only were we teammates, we were table mates. We sat at the same desk. We had an awful lot of fun and probably didn't do an awful lot of work, if I'm being very honest, because Stephanie is full of fun and joy. Um, her life changed uh, with the, the diagnosis of cancer of her beautiful mother, um, and that set her on a course of change not only for herself with regards to her own health but also with regards to her business adventures and she has subsequently become a solopreneur with her fabulous business which helps women um, through their various different uh, uh, business ventures or through work um, creating awareness around menopause uh, for women at whatever stage that they may be entering it Um, Stephanie has a fantastic business and I'm so excited to have her on here to talk about the journey that she's been on over the last few years. So Stephanie, thank you so much. Pleasure, lovely to, what an introduction. I was giggling about, we did no work. We laughed so much. We drank more. We did. Did we? I know. It was so funny. I always remember um, Andrew's wife sort of saying, what is this joke job that you all have? You know, every now and again, some memories will pop up on my Facebook of Steph and I and the rest of our team dressed as Transformers or... dressed in various different fancy dress outfits and while we're supposed to be quote unquote working. Um, But it was a fun, crazy time, wasn't it, Steph? Yeah, I mean, we had no care in the world other than making commission, which was in the form of vouchers. Uh, They were the best years of my life. So I say this with love and hearts in my eyes. But, you know, most companies out there would give cash and people would save up and we would have them in vouchers. So I was living in this tiny flat with this TV that took over the whole of my, you know, my toilet. (laughs) This big TV. And no, no space for it because oh my god, the vouchers. But we had we had really good time, and 
We did. And, you know, we worked on some amazing brands, some of which aren't around anymore. We worked on like things like Empire, uh, Movie Magazine, Q, Kerrang and Mojo Music Magazines and Men's and Entertainment Magazines, FHM and Zoo. And so it was a wild time of parties and events and meeting celebrities and um we, 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 I always laugh because we were, you know, we were paid a huge amount, but we lived like rock stars. You know, we were eating out in places like Nobu yeah. and Hawksmoor, taking yeah. clients out. I think the term I remember us being described as was the skinterati because <laughs> we were sort of uh, trying to make as much as we can in our salary, but like just living the high life, which was a fun, incredible time in our lives, you know? Yeah, it was really fun. But listen, there was also the hard slog. We had targets to hit, you know, the day-to-day grind of it. Um, But we didn't have any responsibilities. It was, you know, we were in our, I think, 20s to 30s and totally ignorant to what, you know, the meaning. I had a lot of anxiety at that time. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. So if you strip back the fun that we had and the picture that we're painting, um, actually underneath it all was real anxiety, real Mm. uncomfortable feelings. And I never, I mean, I always addressed them in my 20s, but eventually I processed and overcame them as I reached my 40s. And that's extremely Mm. great. Yeah, no, it is. It is interesting. I think there is a lot of pressure on people when they're in those kinds of jobs to be always on and, you know, be always smiling and be always happy and be always kind of like, you know, doing the sell or whatever it might be. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it wasn't there was all there was always an underlying kind of pressure, I suppose. And also not just an underlying pressure in terms of targets, but an underlying pressure in terms of creating this sort of idea or this persona of who you were while we're still trying to figure it all out you know you're absolutely right and this is kind of ties into my intro of we enter different stages of our lives at different times and we we start to reflect and understand ourselves better I'm loving being in my 40s but I've loved every loved every decade so far you know so tell us about your journey talk to us about you know what led you to setting up your business life begins at menopause so you touched on it. My mum, unfortunately, got ovarian, had ovarian cancer. I don't think you can get cancer. I can't catch it. I know we're laughing. This is really dark humour. Um, she developed cancer and she had it for nine years. And I'm laughing, but we did laugh the whole time together. And, and even at the end um, of her life, I was eight months pregnant with Layla. And I remember sitting by her bed and we didn't cry a lot because... And that was almost admitting that this was going to end. So she wouldn't let us cry, um, but we were allowed to laugh. And I remember, and she was actually very sarcastic with me. And I remember sitting by her bed in the hospice and it was one of the only times that I cried. And I put my head on the silver bars of her bed and, and I cried and I said, oh, I didn't cry. I was, just, I was very close to her. And I said to her, how am I going to give birth without you? Mm. And she literally she was like, what, are you giving birth now? And so... <laughs> And I couldn't, I couldn't laugh. I just said, no, I'm not. So, so stop, you know, so pull yourself together. <laughs> um, and then two months later, I gave birth to Layla. Um, and, and and everything changed, a bit like a kaleidoscope. You lose your mum, you give birth to the next generation, and that kaleidoscope changes, and suddenly you see things very, very differently. Mm. And you start realising what's important in life. And after Layla was born... 
and I got myself back up off the floor. Um, I decided to get tested for the gene that my mum had, which led to her getting ovarian cancer. And it's the BRCA gene, BRCA. And I first came to know about it through Angelina Jolie. Um, And and the test results came back positive. And so I had a choice. I didn't get cancer. You know, I didn't have cancer. So I was very fortunate to be in a situation where I could have preventative surgery or not sit on a time ticking time bomb. And I decided, having seen my mum go through what she went through, it was a no-brainer for me. And I went and I decided to get preventative surgery. The first step in that was a very quick keyhole surgery, uh, what's called an oophorectomy, where they take your ovaries out. And that was in and out, in, in and out of hospital, really quick, came out. And I, on my way out, I was handed a leaflet about the menopause. And it was this advertising campaign talking about dry, thinning hair, <laughs> losing the collagen in your skin, low mood anxiety it was the worst advertising campaign i have ever seen (laughs) and i just thought that's not going to be me i won't go into the menopause even though my ovaries had removed and so i was no longer producing estrogen or progesterone i know all this now but the time Mm -hmm. i was ignorant and then i went in for my 12-hour surgery and that was when they took the uh, fat out of my stomach and they put it into my boobs so be wow. careful what you wish for. I asked for a tummy tuck and a boob job and I got one. <laughs> and uh, and that was all fine. And I healed very beautifully from that and, and adjusted to my new body. But what I didn't heal from was the surgical menopause. That was a thunderclap of an experience. Mm. So I stumbled along the next few years uh, in my media job. I was working for News UK um, and... Uh, you know, traveling to and from London. When COVID hit and I stopped traveling, I had much more time on my hands and I started to dip my toe into overcoming symptoms of the menopause. And I worked with a lady in America who's done a TED talk, her name's Cynthia Thurlow. And I just messaged her because she did a talk on fasting. And at the end, she said, and this is really good for the menopause. And then she cut off. And I was like, hold on. Come on. <laughs> she didn't come back. So I had to message her. Uh, and about eight months later, I got a message from her assistant saying, Cynthia wants to talk to you. And we, we got on the phone together. And I ended up working with her. And she's now my mentor. Um, and through her resource and guidance, I ended up, overcoming every symptom of the menopause slowly but surely and naturally and I don't know if you've ever binged a box set I'm sure we all have and you know that moment in time when you're watching something recently it was my mum your dad and you just can't stop watching that was how I felt with all this information I thought I can't I can't I just I couldn't get enough and I walked into the lounge and I said to my husband, who was watching uh, football at the time, listen, I need to leave TalkSport. And I mean, <laughs> I was working on other brands, but I said, I need, you know, I'm leaving my media job and I need to go and retrain. And he, and he just didn't understand what I was talking about. <laughs> what do you mean you're leaving? And I retrained at the College of Naturopathic Medicine and I completed my diploma in nutrition. And I blend that with my coaching. Um, I trained at Barefoot Coaching 
And my um, third thing is the fasting. And I blend all three together and I support midlife women, mainly in media, because that's where my history mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And I see them walk in and open and pour their hearts out to me, saying that they don't understand why they feel like this, the menopause is debilitating. And I see them walking out with new leases of life. And mm-hmm. I feel totally blessed that I get to do mm-hmm. this. That's amazing. And what a journey that you've been on. And, you know, I love hearing stories of people who've taken adversity and taken tragedy and sadness and turning it into something that's positive and something that is ultimately not going to only help them, but also help other people as well, which is like amazing to hear that you've done that. And, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's so interesting that you're, journey has kind of coincided with a big rise in this ability of women to talk about menopause and to talk about symptoms and how they're feeling um certainly for me I think it's something that really only I've seen in the last kind of five years I think really before that it was all this so hush hush and you know HRT and you know women were just kind of like being expected to get on with it and not talk about it and suddenly now with people like Davina McCall I suppose you know in Ireland we have a big radio show called Joe Duffy which is like a call-in show and Joe is like this sort of, you know, late 60s man. He's worked in radio for years and he doesn't take any bullshit. And there was this one episode where these hundreds of women just called in and started just pouring their hearts out about menopause on this like national radio show. And it caused like a huge kind of like upheaval in Ireland. of People being like, oh, my God, people are talking about wow. menopause on the Joe Duffy show. But ended up turning into something that was repeated and something that became like, opened up a big conversation in Ireland. So you could probably get a lot of business in Ireland now, Steph, I'd say off the back of that as well. Um, But when I teach coaching, um, as you know, I teach coaching, I I have a a section where I talk about the, the, what different ways in which you can coach people. And I say, there's so many different niches. You can do menstrual coaching. You can do menopause coaching. And I say, my friend Steph is a menopause coach over in the UK. It's lovely to see these kind of niches or specialist areas um, being utilized to help women when they are at their most vulnerable. And, you know, I commend you, Steph, for, for, for seeing that opportunity, as it were, come from the adversity that you've had to overcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It takes um, someone brave or stupid or I don't know, um, just to say, this is how I'm feeling. And then all of a sudden, everyone will have free license to say, me too. And you're right. It's actually been since just over after COVID. Davina McCall's um, documentary was just that. That was our green light to say, I'm not the only one that feels like this. And when I read that pamphlet that I walked out of hospital with, and when I came up for air after being on the floor from being hit from surgical menopause, I looked around and the landscape was really bad. Mm. I mean, like terrible. And I decided to talk about it. And I'm, listen, I'm fully menopausal. I'm I'm only early 40s. And, um, you know, it's a really difficult one because I, it, I don't know where I'm going with this. I think I'm just thinking out loud. But what I'm thinking is that by 
talking about it and not talking about it in a derogatory way, by talking about it in a positive way, a la life begins at menopause, suddenly people get hope and they mm-hmm. think, okay, fine. So it's not the end and I can do things to optimize myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually quite fun because mm-hmm. you can biohack. I know that's such a buzzword right now, right? So forget, you could call it what you want, but you can optimize or you can work with your hormones and you can really play around with lots of things like my sleep. I'm just going to give this to you. Okay. So my sleep is really important to me. I remember when I had the kids and I didn't get any sleep, I was absolutely vile. I could put a lion to shame because my sleep is just everything. And I know, and I know everyone's the same. So we're all very similar with their sleep. So there were ways that I learned to optimize my sleep. And one of them, which is backed by research, is I get out as early as I can, as close to waking, and I look up at the sky, not directly into sunlight, but I look up at the sky with no sunglasses on, just my bare light, and I look up for about five minutes. And what that does is that releases your cortisol. If too much cortisol is released, it's too stressful, but if just the right amount is released, it gets you up and going. And on the other side to that 12 hour clock at nighttime, it releases your melatonin hormone, which is the one that brings you down to sleep. So just by doing that and implementing that little hack, I was able to optimize my sleep. And there's other things as well. I wear blue block glasses just before bed if I'm working so that the blue light doesn't disrupt my hormones. And I wear an eye mask. You know, so I've done little tweaks like that. And it's really good fun because you try a tweak And then suddenly you're sleeping really well. And then you tell everyone else and everyone else starts sleeping well. So that's just one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting what you were saying about that, the pamphlet. You know, we, I recently had one of the guests on the podcast, Kathy O'Connor, who is a fabulous lady in her 60s. And she is a fashion stylist. And she talked about, um, she's created this new new kind of campaign called called Women Unbranded, which is just showcasing. She's sort of saying that women at forty are not represented in the media. They're not represented in advertising campaigns. They're not really kind of shown um, as being the fabulous women that we all are. The idea is that we're supposed to be chasing youth. That we're all supposed to be looking for, you know, unlined skin, and and that's you know how things are represented in the media, and. <clears throat> You know, she was talking about a major brand, a major fashion brand, bringing out some um, menopause clothing range, which she just said was like the ugliest clothes that you could ever see. It looked like prison clothes. And she said it was at the back of the of the of the um, hall, like hidden away, you know, and she was like, it's just so ridiculous. And I have a friend who was in early perimenopause and she's a fabulous vibrant bright colored wonderful fashionista and she said when she started looking on the internet for to try and understand the feeling and the symptoms that she was having she was seeing these old gray haired women who were absolutely not representative of her so she starts to doubt herself and think oh maybe just like what you were kind of saying maybe I don't have perimenopause because I don't see me on these pamphlets I don't see me um, on these articles online or in magazines when menopause is being discussed so maybe there's something else wrong with me right and so you start to spiral and that causes all your symptoms I'd imagine to get worse from a from a menopausal situation so you're absolutely right I think it's really really important that we are highlighting this and showing that you don't have to be some 
you know, old, grey, sad, alone woman rep- that as it's being represented. Women of all ages, essentially, because of the various different ways in which people are affected by their health, etc., um, are affected by menopause. And um, it's a great that we're having this conversation because I'm becoming more aware of it as a woman. My I have four older sisters. They're all very close in age, and one of them is 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 in is in perimenopausal in from a symptom perspective. The rest of them maybe in maybe perimenopausal, but they're just not having the symptoms. But one of my sisters has suffered greatly with it. Has had massive anxiety attacks. Has had you know huge amounts of fear. All of the the, the night sweats and all of that kind of thing. But even just things like she was she suddenly became afraid to drive when she was in the car she became afraid. That is apparently a very big symptom of menopause, but just not something that we were aware of or that we were kind of talked because you just weren't aware of it, right? So for you, like what is are you finding in terms of the women that you're working with when they're coming in in terms of a symptom perspective that you're finding that isn't maybe being sort of talked about out there? Oh, I'll tell you off the bat, um, the same story and, and, and your sister is indicative of that. Um, um, so they will come in and they will say to me, I just want to learn about my menopausal symptoms, which is really broad and, and slightly nebulous. And I'll say, OK, let's break it down. Let's put that to one side. Tell me about you. I have anxiety. Where do you feel it? In my stomach. How long have you had it for? Actually, years now, but it's got worse with the menopause. Mm-hmm. And that is one of any range of symptoms that you can have, whether that be palpitations, showing up in a boardroom, I'm feeling like you're so nervous because you're going to forget something because of the brain fog. And it goes on and on and on, and it snowballs out of effect. And when we start stripping back, we take away the narrative of it's the menopause. And I look at that person individually sitting in front of me. And we focus on one at a time. The anxiety, the brain fog, the palpitations, the hot flashes, the fear of taking control of a vehicle, whatever it is, it didn't start by the menopause. It got exacerbated by the menopause. Mm. And that's the thing that I'm finding. Mm. Um, And these things can be optimized. These women need to be heard and need to be supported. And that is why when I changed career, you can't just do a two week online course and do this job. The lived experience is better than anything because I'm here menopausal, happily menopausal. I don't get me wrong. I don't always get it right. My son drove me mad last night and I screamed at him and thought, oh my God, why can't I be like Mary Poppins all the time? But <laughs> he did, you know. Um, but I have my key anchors that I put in place, my sleep being one of them. I'm constantly trying my best And there is a study out there that says that you can't be grateful and anxious and annoyed at the same time. So, yes, I I practice gratitude. Mm -hmm. Uh, The food that I put in my body to the majority of the time, you know, I will have a coffee before midday so it doesn't disrupt my sleep. I will try and eat as whole food as I can. And then my relationship with myself, with my husband, with my kids. So all these anchors that I put in place and I keep showing up for them and I don't always get it right, but I always try my best. Mm. If you're having alcohol. Do you, think, do you think you're a better person having entered into menopause? Like, do you, you know, just 
like becoming so consciously aware of all of those things are probably things that maybe you weren't so consciously aware of prior to it. And do you think that becoming aware of those things and becoming those becoming priority? Because I think we all aspire to want to eat right and sleep right and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, but it, it seems that it's like a choice uh, an awful lot of the time, you know, when you're kind of in your 30s or your 20s or whatever, you're choosing to eat well. Or, but I suppose for you, what you're kind of what I'm getting from you is that it's not a choice anymore. It is an essential necessity for you to be aware of those things in order for you to live your most happy life. Um, but do you think that making those changes has actually made you a hap- like better, happier person, I suppose, but than than how you were previously. I I did have a choice in menopause. I could have carried on as I was, and right. my symptoms were exacerbated, as a lot of my clients do. When I started seeing the difference that food made to me, and the difference that a proper good night's sleep made to me, and the difference that reducing my alcohol I personally now don't drink that much I drink once a month when I started seeing the difference I thought well I can spend today hungover feeling rotten and eating my feelings or I can make the choice to not drink or to not eat badly the whole time Mm. and I can have a better day tomorrow and show Mm. up for my kids and that was my choice Mm. so I wasn't I what you know I uh, yeah, I I do have a choice and it does make mm. me a better person mm. because I'm mm. happier. Mm. But I'm mm. not like this all the time, Ariana. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, um, I go out and I eat and I, I don't begrudge myself that food sometimes. If there's chocolate cake, I will have it. But the majority of the time I show up and yeah. try my best. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course, and you're human and, you know, you, you, you talked about Layla and being pregnant with Layla, but you do have a little boy as well. So you have that sort of the gentleman's family and two kids. And, you know, <clears throat> I think that's wonderful that you had the opportunity to have your two little children before you had to, you know, have your ovaries removed. And I, I know a couple of people who've had the BRCA gene and have had to make that decision and who didn't have children and had to make that choice as well about what that would look like for them. And I think for some people it, it can be monstrously more, I suppose, difficult because, you know, you're having to sort of say goodbye to the, to potentially that part of your, uh, your, your life or, you know, and I know that there are amazing advancements now and people can have their eggs salvaged and things like that before they go. Um, but it's so lovely that you, that you, you have your, your, your gorgeous little boy and girl. You're just so adorable. They look so like you as well. <laughs> big red eyes. Um, and so, like in terms of like entering into sort of that early menopause that you entered into, what does that mean now for you? Because I mean, in terms of your experience, what are the ages that people are usually entering into either perimenopause or, or menopause? Is it consistent with the medicine or is it consistent with the kind of the research sets out there? Because I'm hearing people of all different ages being in menopause. What's, what's your experience? So the average age of menopause is 51. Yeah. Perimenopause can be anywhere on average between five and seven years before then. Okay. Right. And 
In terms of surgical menopause, there's no easing into it. One day you have your ovaries and they're producing a, a beautiful band, an orchestra of progesterone, estrogen, cortisol. The next minute you come out of hospital and you flatlined on all of those, which is why you need to have hormone replacement therapy because they replace the hormones that you've lost. Mm. So I don't preach at all about HRT. I try not to preach about anything, but definitely not HRT. Um, and if I do talk to people, I say, go and ask your GP about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, because that's made from plants and your body is going to recognize that much more than it will the synthetic version. So that's where my talk about hormone replacement therapy ends. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a GP and I can't talk to you about that. Um, (laughs) No, but I was, I was, I did hear you earlier say that you were able to manage your symptoms and remove your, your those symptoms naturally. You use that word naturally. And so I did question then, did that mean that you didn't use HRT? I do. I do use HRT. I okay. do. I use the patches. I just okay. don't like to talk about it because it's an area that's very personal to everyone. Everyone's very mm. different. There was a study done by the Women's Health Initiative years and years ago, and they studied women and looked at the um, number of women who took HRT and developed cancer. And it's a very old study, um, but the media jumped onto that and painted HRT is really bad. Mm. We have come so far from there with the bioidentical HRT. And the patches mm. that I use, and the estrogen, the sorry, progesterone that I take at night time. So I manage my hormones that way, and that's a personal choice. For me, estrogen is very protective. Uh, it's protective of your cognition, of your bones, and so for me, it was very important that I I had that replacement therapy. Um, but. I think that in terms of the age, um, you've got very different experiences. You know, some women, although the average is 51, some women will sail through and say, I didn't have any symptoms at all. And others will be debilitated from their symptoms, whether they're in perimenopause or full-blown menopause, which officially is when you haven't had a period for 12 months. So in the lead up to that, we're all over the place and we don't know where we are. And I'm so glad that GPs are now getting to grips with everything because what happens is we end up going to the doctor when our symptoms are so bad that we need help and we need a pill for an ill. Um, But my role as a functional medic is to go in earlier and support them before they get to that stage. And do we... um... Do you know, like, how long do you have to kind of stay on HRT for? I I mean, HRT kind of came into my um, stratosphere, I suppose, when my mother, I always remember my dad one day being really angry and having sort of an argument with my mom because she had decided to kind of come off HRT sort of cold turkey, which I remember my dad being saying, it's so dangerous, you know, you you know, like, because again, I suppose that flat line that you talk about, I kind of, but I think my mom was just like, 
oh, I'm just so sick of taking these pills and I'm just, I just want to get it over with now. You know, I know, I think she was like, I know the symptoms are going to come as soon as I stop taking this HRT. So I just want to have it done now so I can kind of move on. Um, But like, I suppose if you're feeling anxious and you're having all of these terrible symptoms and then you go on HRT and you start to feel a little bit better, does it become like a crutch for people and they are afraid to stop taking it? Or how long are you on HRT for? I know it's probably individual for every person, but is there a kind of a general time frame? No, it is. And it would be remiss of me to say X amount of years. I think, you yeah. know, each individual is comes with their own different story. So I'm personally going to be on it as long as I possibly can. Really? I need my estrogen and I need my progesterone. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, the next step is then balancing that out. Progesterone is a, a real calming hormone. So if you're not having your progesterone and you're not sleeping, it's just going to exacerbate and get even worse. So it's a very, very individual um, thing. And um, it's it's for you to go and speak to your GP and get educated and empowered yourself to know how long you want to stay on it for. Which is just, you know, again, goes back to the whole idea that we, we haven't been talking about it enough and there hasn't been yeah. enough research and there hasn't been enough concentration put on by the medical profession on research into menopause I know there's been lots of studies that a lot of medical research um they do tests on men mostly for for most diseases and for most things so it's not a lot is really understood and so you know even what you're saying there about some women sail through and have no symptoms like why why is that what is it that what is it what is it about some women's bodies that that as happens and some that it isn't but again i suppose we could say that about everything about about periods about you know why some of us have big boobs and some of us have small boobs or you know like yeah. all different kinds of things and it is it is such an individual thing but um you know the idea that I suppose it's like almost becomes like a lottery, right? And I mean, I'm, you know, what you were sort of saying is that a lot of your clients who come in, they have these symptoms anyway, and they get exacerbated by. So if you are someone who is not very anxious at going through life and is super happy, does that mean that you've got less of a chance of having menopausal symptoms? Or is it just suddenly you're a happy person with no anxiety and then boom, you got anxiety because of menopause? It seems... I'm 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 like I'm getting anxious about what's possibly going to happen to me now because you just don't doesn't seem to we don't seem to know really do we or what do you think no no but it genetics play a key key role here so looking okay. at your mum your mum's mum how they dealt with the menopause will be slightly telling on how you dealt with it mm. um you're absolutely right that historically a lot of the research has been done on men And their hormones are totally different to ours. Mm -hmm. So this is where functional testing comes into it. So there's something called the Dutch test, which is dried urine, um, TCH, I can't remember what the rest stands for, (laughs) but it's a dried urine test, uh, cortisol hormone. That's a dried urine uh, testing cortisol hormone. And it looks at the... Uh, the up and down, the increase, the decrease, the fluctuations of hormones throughout your month mm-hmm. um, is, is a, a look under the bonnet on what is going on with you. So you could turn up one day, you're getting anxious about what's going to happen. But if you had a look under the bonnet at what was happening to Ariana Dunn today, you would be able to see where your levels are. And from seeing that, you'll be able to optimize further. 
So it's just going down that pathway a little bit more and becoming knowledgeable and empowered to take back control of your health. Um, You know, I speak very highly of GPs and I think they do their absolute best with what they've got. But when I went to the GP and I said, I am feeling really down, they, to the best of their knowledge, gave me an antidepressant Mm. and sent me on my way. Mm. Now, what's that going to do to my cortisol that's increased in the evening when I should be sleeping, my estrogen that's on the floor, my progesterone that's having a funfair on its own. It's not bespoke or tailored to me. It's a blanket. It's a pill for an ill. Um, So getting knowledgeable about you and your personal hormones and what they're doing is a huge leap forward to optimizing your journey. Mm. I'm loving the use of the word optimize because obviously having worked in media, having worked in digital advertising, we would optimize campaigns all the time. We would monitor the performance of an advertising campaign and we would look at where it was you know, performing, where it wasn't performing, and we would optimize that campaign through spend, through money, through looking at data, all of that kind of thing which makes absolute sense to you and I uh, working in advertising digital. Of course, we would do that. Why wouldn't we? And yet we don't do that for ourselves. We, the, 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 uh, the, it always fascinates me how little we know about our own bodies, even just watching things like the chase or tipping point and a question will come up about what name, what's the name for the large bone in your leg? And people are like, Oh, I don't know. Like fever, humorous, you know, like we, mental stuff that like just easy things that we should know about our own bodies and our own you know you know our our, our aortic mirror you know these things like we just don't we're just not um clued in enough and you know it makes absolute sense to me what you're saying is that you know monitoring how you are performing under the bonnet as you say can really help you to uh become much more aware and i think as well I mean, you talked about that anxiety and I think anxiety is such a big symptom. Do you feel, and again, I know I'm not holding you to account, so don't worry, right? Because I know that you aren't a GP. This is just a general conversation between us as, you know, opinions. But like, do you think that there has been maybe a rise in anxiety, low level anxiety or high anxiety over the last, say, 20 years? And so that anxiety has has exasperated by menopause maybe in a way that it wasn't so much for for the women of our previous generations that anxiety was a different thing 20 30 40 years ago yeah yeah. um than it is now yeah I think beyond the feminist chat we now have it all (laughs) what do we do with that like what you know okay so we've got it all now what now we have to work and play and show up and be there it's a lot. Mm. It's a lot. Mm. And we're not working nine to five anymore. We're working hybrid. We're working from home. So we're working 6.30 to 10. And then we're working 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And it and it kind of fragments throughout the day. And we've got the washing to keep up with. And we've got the childcare. And we've got the friends and the parents and the brothers and sisters. And then on the other side of that, there is depletion in our soils. So the magnesium that we used to have in our soil before it was so processed would optimize, for want of a better word, our levels, our nutrients. And so women in the menopause are depleted in magnesium. So I take my supplements and they've been a game changer for me. But they're not, I can't use the supplements as a pill for an ill. 
you have to work out what you need, which goes back to the functional testing. Mm. So there's a, if this was a pie chart of anxiety, the different elements and the different segments to that would be the demands on life, the depletion in our nutrients, the expectation we put on ourselves. And if you're not aware of that and you're not working with that, mm. you're going to be miserably unhappy. Mm. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be. There's a flip side to that. Yeah. One by it's, one. It, it, it's just crazy because, you know, like even just things like my period, my, my PMT, you know, every second month I'll get really low. And I'll be like, my life is shit and I'm the worst person in the world and everybody hates me. And I'll feel like that for a whole day. And then the next day I'll get my period and I'll go, oh, forgot about that. That's my period that comes every month for the past 27 years or something since I first got my period. And yet we're so we're so consumed by day-to-day life by our busyness by our jobs by our family whatever it's like it's it's like this cruel little trick that the <laughs> that our body plays on us and you know I'm not the only one because I've seen memes floating around with that exact same thing mm-hmm. um so I think you know awareness is so important and when I teach digital marketing and I teach about optimization I talk about how there's no point in spending all of this money on these campaigns if you aren't going to monitor the performance of it so that you can tweak and optimize and change and that you can make things better and improve if you're going to spend all of this money there's you know that's really what you need to do and yet we spend so much money on our day-to-day lives, on our clothes, our hair, our nails, our TV on the wall, you know, our food, all of these different things. We spend all this money and yet we're not monitoring. We're not optimizing. We're not really, well, some of us aren't. Probably a lot of us aren't. The majority of us aren't. Maybe until there comes a point when we're so upset and crying and anxious that we can't get up off the floor. And then maybe it's something that we, we, we will do about it. So... I want to, I'm conscious of time. So I want to just ask two kind of questions. The first is what can I do and what can anyone listening to this podcast do who are not yet perimenopausal or in menopause? Are there like three, four, four, five steps tips that you could offer? I know you mentioned some of them like gratitude and things like that. Are there things that you could not say, you know, if you start introducing this into your life that it, it might might help you um, as you go into, because everybody is different. I understand that. Yeah, yeah, and then, definitely. Yeah, sorry, go on. And then? No, and then, and then after that, if you are in menopause or if you are perimenopausal, <clears throat> you know, I want to know how, you know, maybe working with you and, 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 working with people like you might be able to help so but for me who's not who's I'm 41 not yet there what can I do okay so three that have come to mind and there's there's thousands more but these are my three if you listen to your body when it whispers it won't need to shout so you're talking about having a low day every month And that's your body saying, I'm really low in energy. My hormones are low. They're out of whack. Let's have a nourishing day. Let's have some nice soup. Let's have sit in front of the TV and let's just listen to my body. And you work with it. It won't need to scream at you and shout at you and give you a headache to say, listen to me. The second thing is the foods that you reach for 
should be as close to one to five ingredients as possible. And if they're ingredients that your great grandmother didn't recognize, then you probably shouldn't have it. You compare an apple to apple crisps and you see where you're going. So start becoming familiar with what's on the back of the packet, not the front. So whole foods is my second. And the third one is there's a lot of adolescent humor around bowel movements. I know that, but it's my job to talk about it. You should be going to the toilet every single day. Mm. And there should be solid stools because not only does it get rid of waste and bacteria, but it gets rid of our excess hormones. And if those excess hormones aren't being excreted efficiently, they're going to recirculate and they're going to cause problems. And those are my three starting tips. Amazing. Well, that was beautiful and lovely articulately said I love that I love that idea of listening to your body as it whispers before it shouts and the second one if your grandmother um if your grandmother doesn't recognize it they're real tangible kind of pieces of information and also have a good shite every day as well Which is perfect. I love it. <laughs> um, so if you are then perimenopausal, menopausal, what are the some of the things that people who are feeling? Because, you know, obviously this is solo powered. I have you on here talking about your solopreneurism and, and the kind of the road that you've gone down, leaving media and, and entering into this new realm. But also when we've talked previously, you and I, we talked about how lonely an endeavor it can be when you are menopausal when you're perimenopausal how it can feel like you're the only person in the world experiencing this that no one understands that maybe you can't talk about it you're frightened to talk about it and so that for me is you know to anyone listening who is going through that solo power journey or feeling that kind of way what advice or how can they get help um uh, what what would you suggest Surround yourself with the right information and the right friends and cut out the rest. There's always going to be scaremongers, keyboard warriors, people that want to just be negative. Let them be them. Surround yourself. Be very selective about who you surround yourself with because who you surround yourself with becomes your inner narrative. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's it. Just um, yeah. and, and then if, if someone wants to work with someone like you, what can they expect if they were to um, seek out a menopause coach? Oh, I don't know, because I think they're to menopause university. I think it changes person to person. I think I just, my mission is to give everyone as much information as they can. So I, I work with corporations, but with everyone else, I just want to just take my information. I bring you the latest research for free so you can empower yourself. Then once you start getting to the nitty gritty of it, I might work with you one-to-one, but there's good information out there and everyone works differently. So I just give everyone as much free research and information as I can. Um, And, but then when I work with my corporates, I work with a blend of nutrition and coaching to peel back the narrative and to optimize their food and their mindset and lifestyle. But I think everyone works differently. And you're finding that corporate organizations are being much more mindful now of the women in their workplace and how they're being affected? 
I think they're having to be. Mm. They're having to be. And my favorite saying to them is doing something imperfectly is better than doing nothing perfectly. So I'm really encouraging of them just to try, test, tweak, and optimize. I keep saying optimize. There's no other word for it, you know. I love it. It's right, yeah. Now I keep thinking of my display campaigns. But, yeah, so, um, yeah, I think I think they're, they're brilliant for doing this, and they are having to listen. Yeah, yeah. And I can see I saw something about people now be getting time off for period days and, you know, like – things that it, there sh- it should be that way yeah. um, and yeah. um you know but like that I'm very lucky I don't I never suffered with really really bad cramps ever when I had my period but I would have that one day of it so it is it's just so individualistic which is makes it hard to create a blanket solution I suppose and that's where maybe organizations are are, are not as you said doing things maybe imperfectly or perfectly maybe the, the medical practice are doing things imperfectly um but I think what we as women can do is to start can start continuing no no not starting but continuing this conversation that we're having continuing to you know talk to our friends to our family as you say surround yourself with people that you can have those conversations with know that you're not not alone that we're all yeah. in this together um and you know creating this kind of sisterhood I recently just finished listening to a podcast called Witch which was a BBC4 podcast talking about witches and talking about how you know um the women women the witch trials were like a big atrocity and they were really from misogynistic men who didn't want women to kind of come together and talk so apparently years ago the word gossip actually meant your group of female friends so whoever you went and had your conversations with was was called your gossip and so men then took it as a bad word because they didn't want women congregating and telling and exchanging stories and talking about all of the lessons we're doing yeah really cool podcast you should I I think you would love it actually because it's all about nature and all of this kind of thing but I think we all need to become a little bit more like witches and that I think we all need to be having the conversation and going back to nature and you know being proud of who we are and ourselves and not being afraid to talk about how we're feeling about our our, our bodies and our our symptoms and if we can do that then you know hopefully menopause menopause might become a little bit easier and um and uh, and you'll be very very busy <laughs> with all of the work that you do stephanie thank you so much it's been such a joy i've absolutely loved loved catching up with you and chatting with you and um it's been really really um interesting and inspiring but also you've given me lots of really good key takeaways as well from this as well um and i know the listeners will too so thank you so much thank you for having me actually stephanie before we completely finish up where can people find you if they want to get more information uh, so probably Instagram is best and the Instagram handle is at underscore, uh, sorry, at life underscore begins underscore at underscore menopause. Okay, amazing. Brilliant. And I'm sure people can find you on LinkedIn and all kinds of things as well. But thank you so much. And I look forward to catching up with you again very soon, Stephanie. Bye. <laughs>